But God has got a plan So even in your darkest night Hold on to the light And please know divine is that element of creation that takes the intention and brings everything together, everything that's required for that intention to actually manifest. The feminine face of God is that bringing together of all that is required to birth the result. In science of mind, we talk about that as the body or the effect, right? And so I'm just delighted to hang out with you at Heart and Soul Center of Light this month, where what we're thinking about and talking about is the feminine face of the divine. Now, I actually believe that living as the feminine face of God is about tapping into an infinite flow of resources and trusting the source of all life that having created these resources, it puts us on a journey to create heaven on earth. Feminine face of God, not specifically focused on gender, but because it is Women's History Month, we are choosing to focus on women who have demonstrated this feminine face of the divine in such a way that it has created a life worth honoring. Earlier this month, you heard Dr. Andriette feature Phyllis Wheatley and Belva Davis. And Dr. Francione took us all to school last week, taking us on a journey from Mary, the mother of Jesus, 
to the example set by the Honorable Sheila Lee, and then reminding us that the feminine face of the divine is showing out every time each one of us experiences immaculate conception in our own lives. And if that doesn't make sense to you, go back and watch both of those talks because let me tell you, they are both worth it. And in the Heart and Soul Center of Light video for the month, there are dozens of women who are featured from just about every walk of life imaginable. And I think all of the women featured in the video are proud of everything they have accomplished. But I think that most of them would also resonate with this poem. It matters little to me what others think about the books I've written, the places I've been, the people I've met. What I want to be known for is kindness, compassion, service, growth. I stand for love in action, bringing people together, growing a bigger pie and a better world. If along the way I make a name for myself, that's collateral damage. Important to notice, but nothing to be distracted by. The spotlight has always been on showing people what God looks like in human form and helping them see and be their own form of divinity. Stuff I have done is not who I am. I am neither embarrassed nor impressed by my achievements. I appreciate my past experiences simply as my path of becoming. Nothing more, nothing less. Think of me as amicably divorced from yesterday's joys and pains. I am happily married to now and tomorrow. Amicly, amicly Divorced by Tracy Brown. I wrote this poem after someone said, Tracy's too humble to tell you about all the things she's done you have no idea about. And I realized it wasn't that I was being humble, that wasn't it at all. I just wasn't attached to most of it because I was already on my way to the next contribution, to the bigger mission. I wasn't attached to most of it because I really recognize none of it would have happened except for God. I was always looking for what was my next way to bring God's presence forward in my own life and in the lives of others. So as we reflect this month about the feminine face of the divine, let's look at our own spiritual movement. Because I believe that so much of what we all accomplish, so much of what we all do is really about living 
and encouraging others to live this spiritual philosophy, faith, and way of life we know as science of mind. So who are some of the women who grabbed hold of an intention and birthed it into something bold, something different, something impactful? Now, I'm happy to say, as I began to think about this, there was no shortage of women to highlight. From Anna Holmes in the 1920s, and I, I wasn't thinking about highlighting her as the feminine face of God simply because she birthed Ernest Holmes. Anna Holmes was Ernest Holmes' mother. But I actually thought about her because she became the first person to embody the role of practitioner. And so the whole idea or intention of having professionally licensed practitioners began in the minds of several people, but she was the one who actually embodied that and then modeled it. So there was no shortage of women going back into the 1920s to Anna Holmes, or coming forward to right here, right now in 2023, looking at the CSL Spanish speaking ministries um, being expanded by people like Blanca Mejia and uh, Mirna Lopez Trefithic. We could and probably should write a book because there is no shortage of women in our movement who are replicating and demonstrating the feminine face of the divine. But I decided to choose two because we have a limited amount of time. And I decided to choose two who are not that well known, but I think they should be. One is from the first half of the 20th century and one is from the second half of the 20th century. One is a licensed practitioner and one is a minister. So let's start with Sarah Flowers. Now, Sarah Flowers was an amazing woman. She graduated from the professional training at the Institute of Religious Science in 1937. That's right, 1937. In 1941, she published her first book, Common Sense and Its Application in Everyday Life. In 1942, she published her second book. It's a metaphysical thesaurus of positive and negative words. And at the back of the thesaurus, she has an appendix that's titled The Chronological History of the metaphysical movement. In 1943, she wrote V thoughts or victory thoughts. And the V in victory is a representation of the V in the teaching symbol of science of mind. In 1947, she published a book titled Atomic Metaphysics the electrical principle of man. In 1949, she published 
should I pay for metaphysical treatment? Now, these were not all of her books. She published several other books, a lot of different pamphlets, and a one-year study course. Sarah Flowers was prolific. <laughs> she was a full-time practitioner. She saw clients, and she taught classes. And like Ernest Holmes, she also hosted a radio show. Sarah Flowers described herself as metaphysician, teacher, writer, publisher, religious science practitioner, and radio personality. So from the late 70s and into the early 50s, Sarah Flowers is a woman who absolutely took this divine idea, this intention of teaching and practicing religious science and allowed it to lead her. And she utilized all kinds of resources that were available to her in addition to her own talents in order to make something new. And as a black woman, in the 1930s, 40s, and 50s, she was someone who you would think you would have heard about, but most of us have not. A favorite quote from Sarah Flowers comes from the book, Victory Thoughts. Every time you think a negative thought, you are not only working against yourself, but against the law and others. So that's Sarah Flowers. Someone who showed up in her life and in our world as the feminine face of the divine. It wasn't easy, I'm sure, but she utilized every resource to embody our principles in her own life and to embody our principles in a way that she could teach and inspire others. So the second woman I want to highlight today is Elma Lumsden. Elma Lumsden was a seeker, a true spiritual seeker. She was a spiritual student, a student of many different philosophies and religions, and she was a visionary. Her journey included being exposed as a child to the Anglican church in her home country of Jamaica, Church of God in Christ, Seventh-day Adventist, Pocomania, Unity, and as an adult, an Indian Swami and meditation. But it was her exposure to Norman Vincent Peale's writing that led her to science of mind. She studied in under Unity virtually by Unity sending things for her to read and then for her, you know, corresponding with people back in the States. And then as an adult, 
there was a unity group that began in Jamaica and she joined that and was mentored by the minister, the unity minister. But as she got exposed to science of mind, she began feeling that all the things, all the knowledge she had was beginning to fit into place and she wanted to study more. And so she sold the business that she owned and uh, sold her home and moved to New York. She moved to New York and she began to study with Raymond Charles Barker. And uh, she studied with Raymond Charles Barker for several years. And uh, after completing three years of studies, she became a practitioner. Shortly after that, she did move back to Jamaica. She returned to Jamaica in the summer of 1975. And that fall, a few months later, she began a religious science or a science of mind study group. And she, when she went to New York and when she came back to Jamaica, she didn't actually have the picture in mind of what was going to happen. She felt the calling to learn more. And then after becoming a practitioner, she felt the calling to teach even in Jamaica, where there was not much exposure to science of mind. In August of 1978, after almost three years of leading a study group, <coughs> an informal study group, she used her own home as collateral to purchase a building because they had grown over those three years. And there were people in the group who were so inspired they were like we don't need to be meeting in your home we need more space and we need a building and we need this and this is what we are to do and nobody would loan the money right the religious science what's that it wasn't a recognized religion it wasn't it had no stability they were a small group of pioneers and after Alma Lumsden used her home as part of the collateral for buying the building. She applied to Religious Science International to formally recognize this as a study group, as a science of mind study group, ministry in that form. And they began to look at what it would take to become a church and they had to have a minister. Remember, Elma Lumsden was a practitioner when she was doing all of this. And so they could be a study group, but they could not be a church because there was no minister in Jamaica. And so Dr. Elma reflected. She had never considered becoming a minister. She didn't even really believe women could or should be ministers, except that she began to realize in religious science, there were many female ministers. And that made her say, if that's what it takes, I can do that. 
So she decided she would go back to New York City and uh, Raymond Charles Barker agreed that if she came to New York City, he would train her to be a minister. And she started working on it and the U.S. Embassy would not approve her visa. <laughs> so there's always a solution in spirit. And Elma Lumsden said there has to be a way. So in conversations with leadership in Religious Science International, she became the first correspondence course ministerial student. And she was trained to be a minister by writing papers, by having conversations, writing letters back and forth, studying and reading what she was given to study and read. And she was assigned Dr. Carlton Whitehead as her sponsor. And several times during a multi-year period, he actually traveled to Jamaica for one-on-one -on -one coaching and hands-on discussions about how to integrate all that she had been learning through correspondence. In 1981, Elma Lumsden graduated as a minister and the Temple of Light Church of Religious Science was chartered. In 1984, Reverend Elma was ordained, and in 2002, Reverend Elma was honored with the doctorate in religious science. In Jamaica, she not only founded the Temple of Light, but she also founded an interfaith ministerial alliance group and she is often referred to as being responsible for getting religious science, science of mind, actually officially recognized as a spiritual path and religion in Jamaica. One of my favorite Lumsden quotes is this one. Life is a school and we are not on holiday. If you can't remember the journeys of Sarah Flowers or Elma Lumsden, all you have to do is tap into the feminine face of God by looking around Oakland. The feminine face of the divine has been and continues to be evident in the lives and in the work of so many women who have touched thousands of people as a demonstration of their commitment to teach and practice science of mind at an always expanding level. Think about it. Revy, Joan Stedman, D. Jacqueline Edwards, Dr. Francione, Margaret Stortz, Ray Jordan, and of course, our beloved Reverend Dr. Andriette. You see, I believe that living as the feminine face of God is just about tapping into an infinite flow of resources and trusting that the source of those resources is with you on a journey to create heaven on earth. 
when we're creating heaven on earth, especially when we are living or recognizing the feminine face of God, to other people, it might look like we're happy all the time, or we're happy even when we shouldn't be. And so as I think about the feminine face of the divine, I am grounded by this poem by Shalam Harkin, the mystic poet. Why are you so happy? Someone asked me. Why am I so happy? Darling, why are you so drab? Birds just flew themselves into the sky like a handful of winged seeds to go pollinate the South with music. Each evening, the sun creates a symphony of color and your heart matches it. I've got two, two hands that can hold your soft face and magical eyes with black holes in the middle of them that spend their whole lives pulling in all light and beauty. Because even the winter snag is shimmering with secret promise and I can see a hint of its fruits because every bucket of your darkness is alchemized into wisdom simply by handing it to the light. When we were born, God gave us an automatically refillable bag of jewels called a soul that we can share with any living thing to make it sparkle and sing. Darling, why am I so happy? Simply because today I am choosing to remember all of that. Please join me in prayer. In this moment, I simply realize that there is one life and that life is a refillable bag of jewels. Distributing itself generously throughout all of creation that the jewels that make up my life and the jewels that make up the life of every person within the sound of my voice are likened to spirit's highest vision. I commit in this moment to recognize and honor the jewels that are my life, to be so delighted about the unique ways that I can show up in the world. And I claim and declare for every person within the sound of my voice that the ability to recognize what Dr. Francione referred to as the immaculate conception is simply the nature of the feminine face of God building on each intention set in ways beyond our own imagination. And so I am grateful. I am grateful for the opportunity to create a life 
of love, a life of integrity, a life of creativity, a life of spirit in action. And knowing that this is the divine design that is bringing heaven into presence on earth, I just release this now into the flow of spiritual activity, that perfect flow of life expressing, expanding, and evolving. And I say, yes, yes, and yes. And we affirm that together. Ashe, aho, amen, and amin. And so it is.